0: Alright, I'd like to call the November twenty-first, twenty twenty-two regular meeting of the Shoreline City Council to order. Will you please join me in the flag salute? Pledge allegiance to
1: the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it
0: stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for
2: all.
0: Thank you. Will the clerk please call the roll? Mayor Scully. Present.
2: Deputy Mayor Robertson. Here. Councilmember Ramsdale. Present. Councilmember Mark. Present. Council Member McConnell? Here. Council Member Povey?
3: Here.
2: Council Member Roberts?
0: Here. Next up is approval of the agenda. Are there any changes to the proposed agenda? Seeing none, the agenda is approved unanimously. Next up is the report of the city manager, Mr.
4: Norris. Good evening, Mayor, Council. Just have a short uh, presentation here for you tonight uh, and wanted to start with um, really great event that happened on Saturday, November 19th, so this past Saturday, where Shorelake Arts, uh, the Shoreline Farmers Market, and the city partnered to host the second annual outdoor holiday market. Uh, the market was filled with 80-plus vendors, food trucks, and festival music, and we had over 3,000 attendees uh, shopping and and, and, and uh, participating in the market this year. So a big thank you goes to uh, Brother Brotherton Cadillac Northwest for providing free parking and a shuttle service for shoppers. And to the Restless Vocal Band for great entertainment. Just want to say thank you to all the vendors that participated, and of course all of the all of the attendees this year. Uh, really great event. Uh, and more uh, holiday news here. I know I mentioned this at uh, last week's meeting as well. Just one more reminder that the Winter Porchlight Parade registration is now open in the cities of Bothell, Kenmore Lake Forest Park, and Shoreline are partnering to bring uh, the event to North King County again this year. Light displays are in any type of space Uh, are welcome uh, and encouraged, and so that's on your house, on your car, I guess (laughs) really anywhere that you might want to do winter holiday lights. Uh, Registration is free. It's an optional uh, competition for those who would like to participate, and you can register your display at the uh, uh, at the URL here listed on the slide, and the virtual map will go live at this site on December 1st. And so encourage everyone to participate in that. And finally, Um, In honor of the holiday this week, city facilities will be closed on Thursday and Friday. And all of us at City Hall would like to wish the residents of Shoreline a safe and happy Thanksgiving and Native American Heritage Day. Uh, We are so thankful to serve in such a supportive and engaged and caring community. Uh, Hope that you are able to celebrate and spend time with family and friends this holiday. And so we'll be back on a regular schedule on Monday, November 28th. And also on that date, we will welcome new city manager Bristol Ellington, who I know is here in the audience as well. So welcome, Bristol. And that's all I have, Mayor.
0: Thank you, Mr. Norris. Next up are council reports. Are there any council reports? <laughs> Councilmember Mark. <laughs> uh,
5: I, I went, attended the National League of Cities, and it was really an exciting event. Um, what was so, was my first time, and what was so amazing to me was the common theme that we heard throughout the conference. Uh, And the common theme was how much money there is available to help cities through the um, Infrastructure Act, through the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, through ARPA, through other funding mechanisms. Every conference I went to, every class, talked about how much money there was and what could be done with it, and uh, it, it was just amazing. They, could, they said it was unprecedented. They said it was a generation, once in a generation this happened, to bring money back. And that's what's really different for me between this week and next week, is, is hearing that amazing uh, story. They talked about it when I went to listen about broadband, about affordable housing, about water infrastructure, storm and wastewater, about safe streets, healthy houses, climate change. EV charging, non-motorized infrastructure, there was money for all of these things, and they talked about it and they talked about how they're trying to make it easy for cities to get it. But the other part was it's time limited, and that, that this is this was put in by the last Congress. The new Congress may have different priorities, so they may uh, they may choose to do different things, so there is an urgency to get this funding that we didn't know about either. And uh, some of my other colleagues perhaps have other things that they could say about the conference But I just wanted to say, wow.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you, council member. Are there other council reports? Council member Ramsey.
3: Um Yeah, i just like to piggyback on what council member Morick um, had to say about the National League Conference, which I also attended. Um, it, one thing that we, we found out was it's, uh, that uh, a lot of these funding sources are a, a, are approving most of the requests uh, about 99 percent of the requests are being filled um, uh, which was um, created kind of an air of optimism <laughs> uh, during this during the session um, things that uh, kind of really struck me were issues of housing as well as kind of mental health um, meeting mental health needs in the communities so thank you
0: thank you are there other council reports councillor McConnell Thank you, mayor.
6: i I, too went to the National League of Cities, and because I've uh, been going for quite a number of years, I had a lot of committees, and they all started blurring together, But the same thing I kept hearing was, there's money out here. If you apply, your chances of getting um, authorization for for that fund is so much higher than it ever was. But of course, if you don't apply, nobody knows you want it, uh, which is one of the reasons why there's something coming uh, coming up later on the agenda. And I do personally want to apologize that it appears as though we uh, put it in at the last moment. We actually didn't know anything about any of this until the last few days of the Conference, which started Wednesday for most people and ended Saturday. So, um, and, and then of course it's the weekend. So we apologize for to uh, <laughs> acting city manager John Norris. I, I think a few people who uh, got home a little earlier than I did. I, I urged them to give uh, him a heads up of uh, of some of the this uh, information we got and what could we do with it. So again, uh, want to thank uh, thank all of you for hearing the same thing loud and clear. The other uh, organization I belong to is APAMA which is the Asian municipal, uh, I'm going to get it wrong again, um, uh, elected organization nationally. Let me tell you that something happened in the last year where we actually had a full slate of uh, executive committee people that we actually had to do a little fudging over some people who weren't there who were on the slate and people who wanted to be on there who were on the slate and it was very friendly uh, uh, because I was really glad to you know turn turn a lot of this over to to new people uh, regardless of what their age was. So it was the most well attended um, federal um, constituency group of APOMA that I've ever been to. So that so I think um, something happened during the pandemic, maybe that made us realize that we could not be a compliant quiet organization anymore and um, and thank you for the so many colleagues who spent the whole week <laughs> outside the shoreline trying to learn and get up to uh, up to uh, you know we, we get paid so so heavily to you know lose a whole week almost so thank you very much. thank you mayor.
0: Thank you. are there other council reports Deputy mayor.
7: Switching gears, uh, last week I attended the Regional Transit Committee meeting, and I just have one pretty cool nugget to report back, and that is in the 23-24 Metro budget, there is funding for a pilot project to put two porta-potties within Metro. One of them is at the Aurora Transit, Village Transit Center. So I don't have a date for when that's coming, um, and we know that's not gonna be the end of some of the challenges that are happening there, but uh, we are very excited um, that a porta potty will be coming to that transit center.
8: Thank you.
0: All right, any other council reports? All right, next up is public comment. There are uh, six people signed up pre registered for tonight, and I think we have at least one more signed up uh, from the audience. With seven people, we're gonna do three minutes per person. It's a chance for members of the public to comment on any item on the agenda or any item of general concern. We ask that you begin your comments with your name and city residence, and we take the folks who've signed up in person first, followed by the online folks in the order they signed up.
2: So Bill Dreyer is first.
9: Mr. Norris, city council members, mayor, um, I'd like to address the new CEMP It's been many, many years since this uh, paper has been updated. And I have to congratulate Ryan for getting it done. We've gone through, I think, three different emergency managers to get this finally complete. And he's been able to change it from a 2,700-page document to, I believe, a 1,600-page document. So it's still a really big document, and let's hope we if we end up in an emergency, that document will actually get pulled off the shelf. Um, I have a couple of things that I'd like to make the council aware of. One of the um, paragraphs in the document says, the city will make reasonable e- make a reasonable effort, but cannot guarantee to meet the requirements of the ADA. I would like to see somebody ryan most likely contact jim house um, with dshs he is the leader of the coalition for inclusive emergency planning and What they do, it's a CIEP, it's a statewide cross-disability advisory group that works with the state and local emergency management stakeholders to build disability accessibility and inclusion in all aspects of emergency management. I I really think that he can help make our plan better. Um, Also in the plan, it says it's the responsibility of shoreline residents to have supplies for at least three days, and the city recommends a full week. I believe that has been two weeks for years at this point. Um, CERT volunteers. Um, During the pandemic. I don't know if you're all aware, but uh, the CERT teams helped manage the pool shower, uh, passed out masks on two, equa- two, equa- two occasions, delivered food for approximately five weeks, one day a week. We ran a cooling center when it was really hot in last year. And we spent a little time filling sandbags. All of those things are important, but the most important part of that is volunteers working as a team. Times.
2: The next speaker is Gail Hanks. However, I do not see Ms. Hanks in the list of attendees on Zoom. If you're here, would you please raise your hand? I do not see her, so we're moving on to Karina Sullivan.
10: I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Yes. Go ahead whenever you're ready.
10: Thank you. Thank you, Council. Uh, my name is Karina Sullivan. I'm a Ridgecrest resident. I'm a Cascade K-8 parent of three children uh, at school there. Um, I've written to the council in 2020 and 2021, and I'm talking to you today uh, about finishing this sidewalk on 200th Street um, on the west side of uh, the school, the Aldercrest campus. Um, so as you probably know, there is about a half a sidewalk and then it just jets into the street. There is no good signage. There has been painting before, but that fades really rapidly. It's only probably 100, 160 feet of sidewalk and I'm urging the council to add that to their budget. Um, I know that council member Roberts has brought this up a couple of times um, and I wanna thank you for your effort to keep kids safe. Can you please turn the off, Mark? Turn that off, I'm talking. <laughs> so um, the other part of this is that the school speed zones, the lights where the speed zone, like it flickers and says slow down to you know 20 or 15 or whatever, the sidewalk is on the wrong side or the lack of sidewalk is on the wrong side of that. So you have people going full speed around those corners. Um oftentimes uh there's a bus that lets out right in front of the Islamic Center of Shoreline, which is across the street. And so you have drivers trying to avoid kids left and right, you have drivers trying to avoid people going in and out of the Islamic Center of Shoreline um and there's really no excuse to have this unsafe sidewalk situation going on for years um so council member mcconnell uh i call on you specifically this year um so last year when this came up for the budget you said that you were on the fence because this seems like a pet project i imagine that you were talking about the fact that um council member robert's child went to cascade he doesn't go to cascade and they don't go to cascade anymore and so i'm really glad to say that that no longer needs to be a consideration of yours and so i am assuming that you are going to be able to now support this project with your fullest confidence um also hearing from council members Mork and romsdell talking about how much funding is available i really feel like it would be it's really bad to pretend like we can't find the funding for this when we just heard something like 99 percent of uh you know different projects are being approved so i call on you guys to to fund the completion of the sidewalk i have seen a child get hit by a car it is not pretty i do not want to see any of these babies that i love and know experience that and i don't want to see their friends see that happen either um so thank you so so much for considering it i hope you vote to approve get that money in there, finish that sidewalk. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Sullivan.
10: Next is Stella Sullivan. All right, Stella, so that's you. Okay, walk up to the phone. Thanks. Okay. This is, is it, they're kind of shy. Is it possible for me to read their statement that they've written? Any objection? Is that?
0: No, please go ahead, Ms. Sullivan.
10: Hi, my name is Stella. I am ten and go to Cascade K eight. Please finish the sidewalk. I hate seeing cars drive so close to my friends when they are walking home. I am on safety patrol at school, and cars still drive way too fast on our road. The sidewalk will keep kids safer and will help the environment by encouraging walking to school. And Stella, we just say hi so they know that you're here. Hello.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Stella. All right, George
2: come here. You're okay, up next. Georgia Sullivan is next.
10: You can do it. No. I was going to say hi. Say at least hi in your name. Hi. Okay. I would also ask that I can read their statement yeah, as well. please go ahead. <laughs> my name is Georgia, and I am nine, and I go to Cascade K-8. My friends, Audra, Zoe, Breckin, Tierney, Vivian, and Amelia walk home, and there needs to be a sidewalk to protect them. I do not want to see my friends get hurt. Please finish the sidewalk. That's it.
0: All right. Thank you all three of you. We appreciate your comments. Thank you.
2: Next is Kathleen Russell.
8: Hello, this is Kathleen Russell, resident of Shoreline. Thank you, Director Yuki, for your responses pertaining to Amendment 3, co-sponsored by council members Mork and Pobey. Since November 7, approximately 58 citizens, not counted more than once, have emailed council about tree retention. Excerpts include, no excuses not to save tree groves. Replacement trees cannot do the work of established trees. The trees in Shoreline are a saving grace. A resident emailed who has, has, quote, first-hand knowledge of the positive effect trees have on temperatures. Many comments about new heat islands are being created. Existing heat islands will get worse. And council is encouraging a walkable shoreline. But in order for shoreline, quote, to truly be walkable, especially in heat island neighborhoods, the city must include provisions for the protection of street trees. And another, quote, shoreline is becoming less walkable. The reason is tree loss along streets. And finally, quote, once the tree surveys are complete, street trees and urban heat islands should be protected. Safe shoreline trees and all citizens who emailed council about the trees, ask council members to approve both amendment two, funding the urban tree canopy study, and Amendment 3, Completion of Public Street Tree Surveys, as these are reasonable budget amendments and relate to climate emergency. In addition, and importantly, we ask Council to invoke RCW 3670A390 in support of Climate Emergency Resolution 494, passed by Council on August 15th and implement a moratorium on the removal of public trees. These are the public trees on heat islands. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Russell.
2: Next speaker is Alan
8: Coburn.
11: Hi, this is Alan Coburn. I'm a 30-year resident of Richmond Beach, and I'm also president of the Shoreline Auxiliary Communications Service or a 501C3. The reason I'm talking to you is regarding the CEMP, the Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan. I wanted to bring attention to the council uh, that uh, our group provides the emergency disaster instant response communications command coordination and control support services for the city of Shoreline, Shoreline Fire Department, Shoreline Police, and some regional areas. And we do this under the uh, federal National Instant Management System, Instant Command System, and Support Function ESF2, which is communications. I wanted to remind everybody there, and this is regarding the CEMP again, to accomplish this mission, we provide over 30 plus FCC license in King County and the Federal Emergency Management Agency trained professionals to operate the communications center at Shoreline Emergency Operations Center right across the street in Fire Station 161 our purposes tonight are number one remind us all that uh, that we exist and uh, make sure that uh, i know we will be included in the cmp but we want to make sure that you all knew that uh, we uh, we were really created by the fire chief in 1994 and we want to thank um, mayor scully for acknowledging our services during the pandemic and uh, ongoing this year the cmp is under discussion tonight it is the playbook for all of us in planning, preparing, and provisioning the performance of our respective responsibilities in a chaotic environment. So we wanted to make sure that everybody on the team here, including all you folks, uh, understand what's going on. And along that line, we'd like to encourage you uh, to take the, offer, the training offered by FEMA uh, for public officials so that you can be knowledgeable and know what you should and can expect from us. Uh, know that we test our emergency system every week, and we participate in quarterly uh, training with the state, King County, and our adjacent jurisdiction. Your former emergency manager, uh, Jason McMillan, will tell you, based on his experiences in Florida, that uh, radio services, communication services are extremely important. Thank you very much for your time tonight, listening to the comments. We're looking forward to the final CEMP and I will leave you with our tagline, the ACS tagline, that we are relevant, ready, responsive, reliable, and resilient. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you, Mr. Coburn. Did Ms. Hanks show up on the list?
2: I don't see her. All
0: right, Ms. Hanks, if you're present, please either with star nine if you're on the phone or please raise your hand on the Zoom screen and we'll give just a couple seconds for, for her to respond. All right, seeing none, next up is the consent calendar. Deputy Mayor?
2: Move approval of the consent calendar.
0: Second. So the clerk, please call the vote.
2: Councilmember Mark? Aye. Mayor Scully? Aye. Councilmember Pobey? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Councilmember Roberts?
0: Aye. consent calendar passes unanimously next up is action item 8a which is action on ordinance number 972 setting the 2023 regular and excess property tax levies it looks like ms lane is our presenter
12: Go. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Mayor, Council, I'm pleased to be back with you tonight. Um, this is the grand finale where we take action on um, work we have been doing since, really since September, but we presented the proposed budget in October. And um, tonight we will be first um, talking about action on um, the regular and excess property tax levy. So short presentation, um, ordinance number 972 um, authorizes a regular levy reset to a rate of $139, $1.39 per 1,000 assessed value as approved by voters in the levy um, in the Proposition 1, levy lid lift. It also um, includes our excess levy of $2.95 million to cover the um, 2022 park bonds um, debt service payments as authorized by voters in February. So with that, I turn it over to the Mayor to um, carry us through action.
1: Council Roberts. Thank you, Mayor. I move adoption of Ordinance Number
12: 972.
1: Second. There's been a motion and a second. Council Roberts, would you like to speak to your motion? Uh, I'd like to thank the city staff for the work on this budget, and I'd like to uh, extend my gratitude to the voters of Shoreline for pra- passing Proposition 1. Thank you, Mayor. Any further discussion? Will the clerk please call the vote?
2: Mayor Scully,
0: aye.
2: Deputy Mayor Robertson, aye. Councilmember Poby, aye. Councilmember McConnell, aye. Councilmember Roberts, aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? aye. Councilmember
0: Mark, aye. Ordinance number nine seventy-two passes unanimously. Thank you, Ms. Lane, and that moves us right into action item eight B, which is action on ordinance number nine seventy-three, which is adopting the biennial budget, salary schedules, and capital improvement plan.
12: okay well we are back again with a similar slide here Um, again this is um, our final action council's final action on adoption of the 2023-2024 operating budget um, that we have been discussing since October 10th and so With that, I turn it over for um, Council action, and I do have slides on some of the proposed amendments. If Council want to move those, I can move to the slides.
0: Right, and so, so the way we normally do this is there's generally a main motion to adopt, and then there are motions to amend to add any of the amendments, and if something is not moved, then we don't generally discuss it, given that we've
1: had a study item already. So is there a main motion, Council Member Roberts? Uh, thank you, Mayor. I move to adopt ordinance number 973, adopting the 2023 biennial budget, 2023-2028 to 20, 20, 2028 capital improvement plan, 2023 fee schedule, 2023 salary schedule, and established fund appropriations for the 2023-2024 biennial. Second.
0: There's been a motion and a second. Council Member, would you like to address your
1: motion? Or? Sure. Thank you. thank you, Mayor. And uh, I, I want to extend my appreciation really To staff and uh, we're putting this budget together and uh, I really want to thank um, Debbie Terry and Miss Lane for uh, putting the budget together but not only this budget but also the years of budgets that they've put together uh, for the council I think that because of their actions because of the way that they've been Budgeted conservatively because of the way they've listened to the council and sort of worked with our priorities as a council that we are in Have not only have this budget in front of us, but we have the We Listening to some of our colleagues in at the National League of Cities We weathered the past several years much better than many other jurisdictions and that is I think a testament to the strength of our city manager and Miss Lane and all the staff working for her. Um, so I, I do want to thank her, thank them, and uh, thank the staff for putting this together. And uh, I think that this is a very strong budget proposal. And I think there's ways um, we can sort of m- improve on the budget to um, do some work and to sort of complete some projects that. I think the community has been asking for, whether it's trees or whether it's sidewalks, uh, I think these are things that the community has been asking for and uh, I think deserve our council's attention and uh, deliberation. So with that, Mayor, I'd like to move um, uh, what is known as Amendment 2, which is increasing the general fund appropriation by $50,000 funded by one-time grant general fund reserve to fund an update to the city's urban tree canopy assessment. Sarah, second. Second. Director Drescher, Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I I think I was surprised and pleasantly surprised that I was not the only one who had this idea and so I'd like to thank my colleagues for sort of uh, listening and agreeing with the community. I think that what was told to us during public comment was that Or the suspicion that we may be at a low point in our tree canopy and shoreline with the fact that um, many trees um, were removed many beautiful and wonderful healthy trees were removed for the San Transit project we are seeing a fair amount of development happening uh, around our light rail stations and this is I think what I think this study may show Is that if this is sort of the low point we can see in the next round of this uh, tree canopy canopy study how much we have improved and how much our healthier our tree canopy is going to be. So I encourage uh, support for this Mm amendment. Thank you mayor. Further discussion? Council Member Moore. Uh,
5: Yes, thank you mayor. Uh, Two things I would add to my eloquent council members uh, introduction of that. First is is that this Uh, we are moving forward something that had previously been determined and budgeted and secondly uh, uh, with the climate emergency we need data that's to me that's the most important thing that we need to have is what where actually are we and that's what this would accomplish and and thank you
0: further comments Councilmember McConnell
6: thank you mayor I too will be supporting this uh, First, first, and foremost, because it's necessary, but also it's timely that we have been uh, involved and watching a tree re- removal, which is necessary. However, I I am glad that we are maybe a little bit uh, ahead of uh, of doing this assessment now, when we will have a great benchmark for what what uh, our city looks like and uh, hope that we can show uh, an improvement in the next few years with, uh, you know, trees getting larger and new trees coming in. And if not, that would be another opportunity for us to be really even more proactive. So thank you, uh, council members, for this.
0: Further comments? A quick comment from me. I, I will be voting in favor of this and that's based upon staff's statements at the last hearing wherein they noted that we were going to do this anyway and that the timing of the original proposed canopy assessment was based upon some information that they've now decided isn't that relevant. This is something we do periodically. We should do it periodically. I don't have a problem moving it by a year given new information. But I do want to caution as a procedural matter that we be careful. That the overall public sentiment that we need to save trees, which we should listen to and adopt wholeheartedly, doesn't get distracted by whatever particular little item is the focus of attention right now. That we not throw money at things because we're getting a lot of public comment on the specific things. That we take a hard look at every single item and see whether it's actually advancing us closer to the goal. Since this is something we do routinely anyway, and since we all agree we need some form of benchmarks, I think this is great and I'm glad we're doing it now. I may have some slightly different comments should some other amendments be proposed along that line. Is there any other comments or discussion? Will the clerk please call the vote? We are voting only on the amendment, adding amendment two to the main motion.
2: Councilmember Roberts? Aye. Councilmember Mork. Aye. Councilmember Ramsdale.
3: Aye. Mayor Scully? Aye.
2: Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson.
13: Aye.
0: Right. Amendment 2 passes unanimously. Deputy Mayor.
2: Um, yes,
7: Mayor. I will be uh, moving Amendment 1 for everyone's reference, and the motion is I move to increase ongoing general fund appropriations by seven hundred ninety-one thousand two hundred eighty-nine dollars and increase, it's, it's more than that, isn't it? Anyway, and increase FTE count by 2.90 to address critical needs to be funded by additional property tax revenue from Proposition 1.
0: Second. Motion in a second, but let's get that number straight. Is that, that's the number I see in the report.
12: Yes, 791-289. Seven,
0: okay. Yes. Okay, so so the, the motion had the accurate number it has been moved and seconded. Would you like to address your motion?
7: Yes, thank you Mayor. Sorry for bumbling the number. Um, this is in direct response to the approval of Prop One uh, by our community, uh, the promises that we're, we made uh, when outlining what those needs were for our community, and I'm excited to see it moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Other comments on Amendment One, council McConnell.
7: Just a final note,
6: note thanking um, outgoing, who's already outgoing and gone, um, City Manager, Deputy, Terry, one of the. Most important things that our city manager will do is to work with staff on um, on our budget and we really respect the work that goes on and we very we we don't tamper with too much because it's so well done. So thank you very much and Ms. Lane for for the same work uh, and uh, uh, Assistant City Manager or Acting City Manager,
2: sorry John Norris. Thank you.
0: Any other comments on uh, amendment one? Will the clerk please call vote?
2: Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Mayor Scully? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Pobey? Aye. Councilmember Roberts? Aye. Councilmember Mork?
0: Aye.
2: And Councilmember Ramsdale,
0: Aye. All right. Amendment 1 passes unanimously. Are there other amendments or discussion? Oh, sorry. Councilmember Mork.
5: Yes. I would like to move uh, number 3. Uh, and that is to ingre- increase the general fund appropriations by 200000 on a one-time basis uh, from the general reserve to fund the completion of the city's street tree inventory. Is there a second? Second.
0: Right. Would you like to address your motion?
5: Yes, sir. Uh, I really, it, As you heard me before, we're, we are in a climate emergency which I think changes things. And we need data, and one of the things we need data on is what street trees do we have. This is work that was happening, and we're just speeding it up so that it can get done at one time, and that way we can see what do we have, and what, you know, do we have a street tree 84 is 15 feet and five years old, and and street tree 422 is a 100-foot-tall douglas fir. There are two different things that we need to have the data in in order to make uh, informed decisions. Thank you.
0: Further comments on proposed Amendment 3? All right, well, I'm going to be voting against this, and it's because I, I don't disagree that we need to do things in a thoughtful manner, but I disagree wholeheartedly that we need data for its own sake. And what this buys us is not $200,000 worth of trees. It doesn't buy us a plan for where we're going to plant new trees. It buys us a detailed count of what we have. And for some things, that might be important. It's certainly not useless. But we're in a period of a brief bit of surplus, but that is going to be gone in a flash. And one of the things some of us learned today, and the rest of us will learn in your small group meetings this week, and then we'll discuss as a council, is that we've got some shortfalls on the parks bond levy, That we're going to have to consider making up out of the general fund. I would also like to propose something that I've been floating for years past without a lot of support from previous councils, and that's planting some trees. That's having a program where we go aggressively out and we say a a tree could live here and it's public land. We're going to put one there or we're going to talk to this property owner and ask if they want the city to install street trees. Seattle does that. We don't need a street tree inventory for that. But when that comes to fruition, which I think it will do in a year or so after staff has considered it, if Council's with me on it, I don't want to be in a position where we spent our money knowing there's a hundred and fifty foot dug fur. That to me is not
1: useful data, that's just data. No. Other comments? Council Member Roberts. Uh, thank you, Mayor, for articulating what I was thinking but could not put the words together for. Um, I think when we think about what additions we might want, want to make to the budget. I think we have to look at what we asked and told our voters about Proposition 1, which is sort of focusing on safety, the elements of safety, and on mental health and mental health services. I think those projects have, we're thinking about one-time funds. In which all, which nearly all of these amendments that have been proposed by my wonderful colleagues have uh, are, are using uh, are, I think we have opportunities to actually advance a project that provides can provide immediate benefits to to the community, and I don't see as much as I believe in data management and data assets as something important for the community. This seems like a large ask compared to for a study that is, I don't know what it, it's going to necessarily tell us. In some versions it was telling us where heat islands were. There's some good heat island maps of the city of Shoreline that exist already, we, and we know broadly where they are. If there's a building, especially a large building, and there are no trees there, it is going to be hotter there. WE HAVE TREES THAT WE KNOW THAT ARE PROBLEMATIC IN AROUND ON 5th AVENUE AND OTHER PLACES WHERE THE TREES ARE BREAKING THROUGH THE SIDEWALK AND IT'S INACCESSIBLE FOR INDIVIDUALS ON WHEELCHAIRS OR HAVE OTHER um, MOBILITY NEEDS TO WALK ON THOSE SIDEWALKS. I DON'T, AND THESE ARE CHALLENGES THAT we will have, we must and we will continue to deal with. I support the idea of continuing to fund this as we get savings and we find savings. I don't see that this is a great use of funds right now, but when I think this can be done increment, keep be, this work can be done incrementally. So thank you, Mayor, for articulating, again, better than what I what I said. Thank you. Councillor McConnell.
6: Um, I thought Amendment 2 and 3 as a joint thing. However, thank you for bringing up um, some discussion that I had not really considered. And I hate doing this to put staff on the spot, but the only person I can see right now is Miss Lane. Uh, could you help me understand whether Amendment 2 and 3 are overlap too much or they stand alone is is two going to get what Close enough to what we want with three without spending two hundred thousand dollars and I apologize if you're not prepared I totally understand
12: I can give a very high-level answer that may get there They do two different things the tree canopy assessment is a is a high-level look at the city's tree canopy the street tree inventory is a very detailed assessment of individually what we already have so i think they serve two different purposes i think that the discussion that's being had is is on point there there's a question about how do we use that individual tree level versus the canopy and i think the canopy can tell us as a city how you know how we're doing with with our canopy and i think the individual level helps us to manage those individual assets, Um, it's so fair discussion. I could get more information on that but not in time for you to make that decision tonight. And thank you.
6: That's, I guess I was really thinking tree canopy because to get a specific inventory, as we talk, as we see a lot of these amendments, $200,000 is a lot of money. Um, may not be for city, but it's still a lot of money. Um, as a, as a voter, I would want us to consider this carefully. Whether this is a better use of two hundred thousand or somewhere else, so I am going to be really interested in listening to my colleagues because I don't have uh, a real strong opinion about this particular amendment. Thank you,
14: Councilman Republican. Thank you, Mayor. So complete means it's been started and needs to be completed, am I right on that?
12: Correct, we've already done four neighborhoods of the individual street trees and we have been moving slowly, you know, that's taken us, um, I wanna say it's three years we've been working on this, so we would just continue to move through and probably by the time we get done, we'll start back at the beginning and look at it again.
14: Yeah, because my understanding, just like the mayor mentioned uh, in reference to amendment number two, based on staff's comment last week was staff supports this and it's because it's an ongoing project and it has to be done to avoid uh, future escalation of cost.
12: Um, well, actually this is a little bit more costly to to do this than if we continued in our current way, even though costs will go up. We are currently using a vendor who's small and, and really couldn't take on accelerating this. So in order to to get it done faster, we would go with a larger firm that would we believe would charge more. So that's why it's actually a little bit more expensive to do it this way. What you get though is all the data at once and and so that you would be able to then make decisions about that individual data. I don't think it's gonna specifically answer the questions about do we have heat island I think it would tell us what are all the trees that are in that heat island so that we could manage them thank
0: you ma'am okay, I, I would just add the, the, the benefit to having this is equity right I and mean, I'm not arguing against myself here but the, the benefit yeah. is we would then know gosh Briarcrest has 13% fewer trees or yeah. gosh you know in a Sarden, no surprise, doesn't have any evergreens. So that it, it, it is not useless. Just right. for me, it doesn't rise to the level of two hundred thousand dollars when I think we could spend that money on other things.
12: And you would have information about the quality of the trees or the health of the trees that yeah. are in that, in that each neighborhood.
0: Further, Councilman?
5: Um, so one of the things that I think, I respect what my colleagues have said, one of the things I think, though, that is uh, important with this information is, is that when the public works or other people are looking to, about a project, they can see what street trees are there without having to go and look. They have information.
3: Thank you. Mr. Rasmussen? Um, just real quick question: Like, what would be the timeline be if this was not approved and we can continue on the same pace that, that we're currently going on?
12: I believe we we estimated it'd be about four, years, four to, years if we continued at our current
0: pace. All right. Thank you. Further questions or comments? Will the clerk please call the vote on Amendment Three?
2: Councilmember Mork, aye. Councilmember McConnell, nay. Mayor Scully, nay. Deputy Mayor Robertson? Nay. Councilmember Roberts? Nay. Councilmember Ramsdell?
3: Aye.
2: Councilmember Povey.
0: Aye. The vote is 4 to 3 against, so the amendment does not pass. Are there other amendments or discussions on the main motion? Councilmember Moore?
5: Uh, so, uh, amendment number four I had put in before, I do not plan on putting that through because funding for that is available with the the Safe Streets grants. Uh, so the one I would like to bring up is Amendment 11. Unless my colleague Mr. Roberts would like to keep us in numerical order. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Amendment 11 is uh, is associated with this unprecedented amount of money, and it's meant to uh, let me let me make the amendment. I'm sorry. I move to amend the proposed 2023-2024 biennial budget to increase in general fund appropriations by 360,000 for the biennium or 180,000 per year and add a one FTE two-year limited term uh, to support identification of and application for infrastructure and climate resiliency grants Supported by general fund or other impacted fund balances as appropriate, is
1: there a second? second.
5: second.
1: Okay. <laughs> I have a point of order question on the actual wording of the amendment. Uh, Councilmember, if I might, um, there was uh, 368 100 for the biennium and then 180 per year that was added from what's different on the screen. What is may I ask a clarification of what the motion is?
5: I thought I was reading staff's amendment. I, my amendment would be what's on the screen.
0: Thank you. Okay. Is that is the clerk confident that you have what's being moved?
2: Uh, the blue slide in front of you?
0: Yeah. It, yes. Okay. And is that accurate, Councilmember? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Would you like to speak to your motion? Uh,
5: yes. Uh, I, one of the things I think that uh, is what we all want to do is to bring money to Shoreline that we can get. And having worked in an in industry a long time, one understands that sometimes you have to pay money to get money. Pay, getting money to apply, as Council Member McConnell said, that's the key word. So we need to apply to get these grants. We were told that the the odds of getting them are incredibly high. I believe the ROI for this will be very Substantial, um, but that's my motion.
14: Council Member Uh Please, would you be kind to um, just highlight a little bit on 86,000 uh, budget shortfall? Is it through and 2028 or
12: in 20? I, and I apologize. That impact is incorrect. Um, forgive me. I. Edited this at the last minute, and I forgot to correct that. This is a use of um, one-time fund balance of three hundred and sixty-eight thousand one hundred for the biennium, so it is not an ongoing budget shortfall. It would be a reduction of general fund fund balance of the um, one hundred for the biennium, and let us see. Well, and then if it went out a third year, because it would be a two to three year um, limited term, de- depending, I think our max limited term is three years, so that um, it'd be you know, an additional one year, 175000 for that third year of use of fund
13: balance.
14: Okay, all right, thank you. Yes. May I, um, I serve on the Seashore Transportation Forum, and I, one of the things that I've really been impressed with is with the way the city has gone after grants and have been successful, we're, we're, we're getting us the funds needed. Uh, as my colleagues mentioned earlier, we need to be strategic. and so I'm wondering why this would be so necessary to bring in a grant administrator or writer to champion the cause which is already successful.
12: And I think staff have have, had that conversation as well, given the amount and the number of new programs available, the the thought is that an additional staff would allow us to actually make those applications and identify them, but there is some concern that we may, if the grants are not coming through our normal channels, that we may miss them, and just the capacity to apply for them, even if they are through our normal channels, it's a big lift. We do have consulting dollars available, um, and they're available on a contingency to help us make those applications, but given the amount of volume that we are hearing would be available, the concern is that we, even managing a consultant in that level, that we'd be much better off with the um, internal... Um, limited term staff who could focus on this and and help our existing staff so they would continue to be involved and in doing what they've been doing very successfully it would just be added staff to support this you know load of work that will be coming down.
14: We'll Thank you this. Mayor. One more. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing is, this is a grid but what I'm thinking is we know that most of these grants are restricted grants and based on timelines. Mm-hmm have we already identified projects, or are we going after the funds before we identify the projects? And what if these grants are restricted and we skip the timeline?
12: That's a really good question. Our expectation here is that they would be focusing on funding to support our existing projects that are already in the pipeline and that we have been working on and are looking for funding for. So it would either free up Funding that could then be used for other items that are necessary, or it would fill gaps that we already know we have in some of our major transportation projects as we look at the climate action plan and that climate resiliency, that there's lots of opportunities for work that's in our work plan on council goals that we would be focusing. So we would not, I think staff would not be at all interested in hiring somebody to just go looking for free money but it's money to help us accomplish the goals that Council has already set.
0: Thank you, Mayor. Councilmember McConnell?
12: Connell uh, I did see um
6: Councilmember or Deputy Mayor Robertson's hand, but I'm just gonna say a little short little blip related to um, Councilmember um, uh comments about seashore transportation. I have other comments but I want to take my turn um, after the other two raise their hand. Uh, seashore transportation uh, funding is very, very 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 competitive meaning we're lucky if we get it but usually Seattle is you know ahead of us if they've got projects that touch us great but um, we're successful only because we're large enough but we're more times than not unsuccessful so you haven't had the breadth of the years I've been on that committee but seeing how many how many cities apply and then how many rejections happen pretty um, pretty standard correct and um, and so this is uh, you know, this is not not us competing against Seattle or Montlake Terrace. It's competing. We're all competing for uh, our wonderful projects, and probably not going to be feeling the competition against each other. We're all going for a large pool of money. Uh, so I hope that helps you understand how Seashore, yeah, and and grants are just awesome ways to get money that we don't have. If we don't get it, someone else is going to get it.
0: All right. I was looking left, not right. Was Deputy Mayor first? Yeah.
7: Um, thank you. Uh, I'll try to be coherent. This may be a little bit rambling, my thoughts and my line of question. Uh, first of all, I think just uh, Miss Lane listening to this the last line of questioning, is staff now recommending approval of
12: this amendment? That's what it sounded like from your I- answers. I think after further consideration, while we do think we've been incredibly successful with our decentralized approach to grant and when you look at the information, in the council question matrix, we, we really have been competitive with other jurisdictions. The recognition is there is there are more grants that are coming down that we're not sure we'd have capacity to go after. And so that that did move our dial. We we thought about well, should we just ask for increasing the consulting dollars to be able to hire more consultants? And the thought was number one, that is a more costly approach. So it's a good supplemental, but if we have work for a full FTE for on a limited term basis, that we thought that was the more most cost effective way to take advantage of the funds that are that Appear to be coming down the pipeline.
7: Okay. So I did not attend the NLC conference. I did not have the benefit of sitting um, in these meetings and, and hearing the rah-rah for the grants that are then the money that's out there and available. This is not just an appearance, this is actually a very very late amendment in our process. Um, I learned about it at five o'clock today, you know, after a very busy work day. I have not had the chance to review it myself. Uh, I Frankly, I'm uh, a little surprised that the staff is, is recommending it right now. I don't believe staff has had the time to actually fully analyze and consider this. Uh, if, from what I'm hearing from fellow council members, if this money is so readily available and so easy to get, it doesn't seem to me that we should have to hire somebody in order to get it. Uh, and we do have people out there looking for grants, um, so I'm, I'm struggling right now knowing the asks that we are going to have on our general fund uh, in the next days <laughs> and, you know, weeks ahead of us to add something so last-minute that I've basically had two hours to consider for myself. Um, and I don't want to dampen enthusiasm or creativity. And it's, it's really hard for me on that, on that level to not you know, appear to be supportive of my colleagues um, and what they're bringing forward. I really would just like us to be able to consider this on whole uh, with the rest of our budget process. And so, for that reason, I myself will be voting against this amendment. Did
1: you have a comment, Councilman? Yeah. No. Councilman Roberts. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, I have a couple questions um, as I'm st- uh, also still processing this. I mean, I did have, uh, well, did attend that National League of Cities, and uh, they are good cheerleaders. Um, and part of that is the reason, I think that many of the reasons they're cheerleading is because this is unprecedented. How much direct funding the, this administration and how much uh, direct funding this Congress has passed uh, that goes directly to cities and not filtered through other sort of usual channels. And uh, I think the outgoing president of National League of Cities and the staff of National League of Cities deserves a lot of credit for for working with the administration with Congress to do so. <coughs> the questions I have are though are more specific to Shoreline. Knowing what we know about hiring, what is the likely time period that we What's the optimistic time frame that we, if this was a a budget amendment were to be approved, what's the likely time frame for that individual to be tired?
12: That is a very good question, and not being intimate with the um, market for that. I mean, I think it would probably, we could expect it to be at least two to three months.
1: As an optimistic, optimistic.
12: Yeah, And, and that would, to a certain extent be a fishing expedition. There is also the option. We do have possibly this could be a growth opportunity for internal staff that could then be backfilled and that might be an easier way to get somebody focused on this and backfilling. So those were the conversations we had today as we as we talked about this. So um, that that might be a, a faster approach um, where we could bring somebody in at a lower level um, And provide somebody with some internal you know limited term opportunity for a higher level position
1: so my next question is um, when this was the idea was brought up on October 17th it was described to us that the city had eliminated the grants coordinator position and moved to a decentralized approach Mm -hmm. in thinking about I, I understand this is a relative very fast pace for staff thinking and sort of understanding these amendments, is it the understanding of staff that this position would have the same duties as that eliminated position? Or is there, how might this position, the roles of this position, duties of this position be different from what was eliminated in the past? This position
12: would really be focused very much on monitoring across all the infrastructure and the um, climate resiliency funding. We believe the human services funding is well covered at this point. And so it it wouldn't, while it would look outside of public works, it would also cover some parks because there's some infrastructure funding there we understand could be available. So it would not be exactly the same, similar functions, but somewhat different. Excuse me.
1: Is it staffs understanding that it's classified at the same rate or is it be classified at a different scale than than before?
12: We funded it to be classified at the same rate um, but it could potentially be a little different. Maybe it's a management analyst as opposed to a grants administrator. (coughs) Excuse me.
4: Councilmember, if I may as well, I know Ms. Lane and I this afternoon had some of these conversations about where would the position fit, you know, within the department structure. So some of those things we just haven't had the time to figure out the details on. But um, and I, as as she said, I do think we we probably would slot it in. um, And but the dollars uh, in the proposed amendment in front of you would be in that same uh, salary range as our as our prior position. Um, But yeah, I think what sort of grants they'd be focusing on, whether it be a public works position or something a little broader, I think would still be a question mark we would um, obviously figure out if this is approved. Thank you.
1: I I think there there definitely can be value. I think my preference, especially when we are thinking this uh, could potentially be a reorganization of the city staff, Uh, my my preference for these kind of things is to go through the sort of retreat and study process rather than sort of come in last minute but I do recognize the value of it and so I'm still debating in my head where where we ought to be. So thank you Mayor. All
0: right, I'd like to make comments and we'll go for a second round. I,
1: I on
0: one hand it's nobody's fault this came at last minute but this is the problem with last minute. We don't have an incomplete staff report. We're gonna spend a lot of time debating it to the extent possible. Let's not do this but I understand you folks got back literally last week um, this week right <laughs> yesterday um, and you know quite frankly if you don't come back fired up from AWC either there you haven't done a good job I mean that's that's what they're there for and the last round in DC when the deputy mayor and member Povey and I went um, they were saying the same thing and they were saying things are changing and you need to be nimble and if you don't have a full-time grants person you should and we were like aha we've got that um, but now we're hearing that there's all these other programs too the shooting from the hip thing with that much money makes me nervous. And I understand it's an emergency because some of these programs aren't gonna last, but I also understand that if it takes two to three months to hire, considering this in a month, right? We can do mid-year budget amendments. Nothing stops us from doing that. It's not the best practice. But I, I, I was fully prepared to vote no. If staff is behind it and staff is saying there are enough projects at a sufficient stage of completion to be competitive, then I feel very differently, but I'm not. I'm hearing that, but I'm not hearing a lot of detail because you can't possibly put together detail. And I note that a grant is based on a concept, right? I mean, it's it's you need to be at s- to some stage of design. You've got to be to, you know, conceptual. You've got to be to 30%. You've got to be to shovel ready. And if we don't have that, the best grant writer in the world can't get access to to funding. And so I don't want to spend three hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars and not have a list of projects that we know they're going to work on. So I'm planning to vote no, but that's not because I'm opposed to the idea. It's because I think we need a full staff report on this and staff can't do that in a day. Council Member McConnell.
6: I heard the staff has enough projects that are shovel-ready. I mean, we definitely always do. We have more shovel-ready things or almost shovel-ready than than we have money for. Um, The other thing is that the deadline is December sixth, which is really a little under two weeks. Uh, and I don't know why. Um, I mean, that's at least for this one. I don't know. Is it, it? Are there rolling deadlines? But quite frankly, I don't know why the March um, conference didn't give attendees more direction. We we really felt that we had um, not just rah rah because I've come. I've gone to enough of these com- conferences. I've never come back wanting something to happen right away because I understand process. I've been here for 14 plus years. This is the first time I actually, um, we very carefully ran it by our um, acting city manager who was hesitant until he, I think, had many conversations that I have no idea what he had today. Literally, um, it was, you know, I think at some point, people, people and cities that were successful during the pandemic were able to pivot uh, and be um, not just nimble, but realizing when an opportunity comes, if we are able to do it, to really consider it. The other th- the other thing, um, again, because this is such a new item, I assume that next year if we're not spending this money or if we're bumbling around, we will have another opportunity at our, you know, because even though we do biennial budgets, we always approve midstream in a, you know, in a yearly annual manner, so I welcome us to have another robust conversation with a report of did we, you know, did we use this money wisely. Um, I still, I mean, you know, we're all, we all get one vote. I would still consider that this amendment is out here and has a second, then I would like the opportunity. Opportunity to vote on it. I really trust the staff will not send us down a dark alley, and um, because really they do all the heavy lifting and we make some policy decisions. But uh, I'm actually quite surprised that the staff, um, within 12 hours or so, um, did some homework and feel confident that the, that um, there is a really good opportunity here for. For um, the city to move some projects along that that we haven't been able to. So thank you mayor.
3: Thank you. Other questions or comments? Councilor Raptor. Yeah thank you mayor. Um, Yeah I will be um, voting in favor of this amendment. Um, Just it it seems as though this is kind of again a generational opportunity for for funding and it could have a significant impact on the quality of life for our citizens. Um, It is unfortunate that it's a last-minute amendment Um, and but I am I am I feel confident that this staff uh, has uh, you know in the small period <laughs> in 12 hours of time has done adequate because um, uh, has an adequate sense that that yes we um, can use extra help we um, there's since there's a large money there's a large amount of money available um, that that uh, w- without uh, increasing staff a capacity that we may miss out on on some opportunities to to improve the quality of life for uh, uh our, our residents thank you
0: further questions or comments will the clerk please call the vote on uh amendment 11.
2: councilmember pobey nay councilmember ramsdale aye councilmember mark aye mayor scully nay councilmember roberts aye Deputy Mayor Robertson? Nay. Councilmember McConnell?
0: Aye. The motion passes with a four to three vote. Are there any other potential amendments or discussions on the main motion?
1: Yes. No. no. Council Member Robertson? Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I would like to... I need to get back to the... Um, I'd like to discuss and move uh, amendment five on the chart, which is increasing the road capital fund by 890000 and adding a 3 year limited FTE engineer to complete the sidewalk along 200th Street from 30th to 25th Avenue Northeast funded by a one-time contribution from the general fund. Is there a second? I second that. All right. Motion and a second. Council Member. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard my spiel about this before. Um, And I think there is, I think this is what one time, really what one time funds really should be for, and to fund projects that advance the safety of our community. This particular project is um, alongside um, Aldercrest uh, campus which is on 200th. It's a campus that serves not only Cascade K-8, but it also serves the Sterling School District's home education exchange. So there's a lot of uh, young kids who walk um, in this area. The uh, project itself on the west side of the school is a relatively, is a, you could describe it as a steep hill, but it's a hill at least. Uh, that goes down from the sidewalk all the way to 25th Avenue n- Northeast. Uh, in that side, um, after the school district completed the uh, the sidewalk project in front of the school, and the funding improvements were required by the city, the uh, city or uh, the school district—I can't remember whom—painted a white line, sort of, to delineate sort of where the road should be. The, that project this frontage improvements were completed about two years ago that white line that was painted is nowhere to be seen at this point because it's been I mean cars have driven over it and because many vehicles take go going west on 200th will turn uh, turn north onto 25th and sort of cut over on that line that that line was supposed to sort of help provide a path for young kids walking to and from, from school. There are reasons why this is classified as, in some ways, classified as a medium priority project. It's not under the sidewalk prioritization matrix. and But one of the things I think that the matrix did not capture is that it actually forms a connection to um, other parts of the city. There is a path, and a paved path, on 200th Uh, between 25th Avenue Northeast and 24th you can also say that path extends a little bit further uh, to the west and that connects uh, would connect the school to Ballinger open open space something that I don't think was actually captured in the prioritization matrix and we weren't going to just when we discussed the matrix we weren't going to go in and look at look into depth and figure out why exactly one project received a three-on-one element and a four-on-one element that would have been not worth the city's time or the council's time but we recognize that there are at least I have noticed that there are some things that on the matrix itself where may not have been accurate or there's some times that we the city has elevated projects on the matrix from one priority to another priority um, for a variety of reasons, so I think that the, this is a project that the community has supported from the beginning. Uh, a couple years, I think it was last year and the year before, the principal of the school wrote to the council supporting this project. Um, there's, we heard testimony uh, from children, both. Uh, Today and the previous week, uh, students at the school, I believe it was the ASB president who spoke out in favor of this project. So I believe that there's definitely community support for this project and I think that when we think about what we should be doing as a city, protecting the safety of our residents is one thing that we ought to keep high in our priorities. Thank you, Mayor. Other questions or comments? Deputy Mayor.
7: Thank you. I am going to support Amendment Number Five, and um, but yes, and this will be the third time I have voted for this particular segment. This is one of those that I do believe that it it was a mistake that needs to be corrected, and um, and that's why I'll be supporting it. I I wish that we were we had done this a while ago, and it was considerably less. I am considerably uncomfortable with the amount of money that we are uh, adding to our or pulling out of the general fund, um, with the list of amendments we have ahead of us and already approved. Um, so, want to let you know, Councilmember Roberts, I will be supporting Amendment Five, um, but not amendments Six and Seven because if they get moved, um, because I do would like to see those go through the regular prioritization process. Thanks.
3: Other questions or comments, Councilmember? Thank you, Mayor. Um, yeah, I've got a question about uh, my understanding is that if you could help me understand the Safe Routes to School funding uh, grant and how that may offset uh, the cost of this amendment. I'm going to invite um, Ms. Junkie forward.
15: to She's an expert on that. All right, thank you. So we did apply for a Safe Routes to School grant uh, in August related to this. It includes both uh, on 200th, it includes the segment um, connecting to 25th and the segment connecting to 30th. It also includes sidewalk on 25th. Uh, in front of the North Maintenance Facility and in front of the park. Uh, if we do receive that grant, um, I do believe that grant has a very minimal match, so we likely wouldn't need this uh, funding to do this work. It would be fully covered, un- well, what, primarily covered under that grant. Uh, we will not know the results of that grant for another couple of months.
3: Um Thank you. What, what is the possibility that we can, is there a kind of his, history that we can look at to have a sense of whether we, that we have a chance of, is it kind of a long shot um, application or do we have a fairly, are we fairly confident that we'll be able to get this, this funding?
15: We've had a fairly good track record on Safe Routes to School, but we've looked at this location before and we haven't felt like it would score well. Um, We did apply for it, uh, partially because there's been so much interest from the council, Um, but it's hard to know, uh, again, with it being a very competitive grant,
0: how successful we would be. All right. Thank you. Councilmember McConnell.
15: I
6: wanted to piggyback on this uh, part of the conversation, uh, but I'd rather hear everyone else first uh, about which way they're going to go on this. Uh, Would this this and any of the other two amendments, would they possibly be uh, opportunities with this amendment we just passed, number 11, or do you have absolutely no clue, which I would would not be surprised if you don't know whether it would be an easy, low-hanging fruit?
15: Yeah, I don't, I don't have a good feel for what other new grant projects there will be, new grant opportunities there will be. Again, we've been applying for just the standard grant processes that we know of Safe Routes to School. Um, there's certainly, I know that I have heard of some other new sidewalk programs. We have not had a chance to look at those to see what our eligibility and, and how competitive we think we would be.
6: And then tying into Amendment Number 6 and 7, do you have any idea whether, um, number one, have you applied? I think it was, or seven... I think there's some number changes, but the ones related to sidewalks next to schools in our
15: amendment package today. Uh, yeah, I don't recall the, which amendment, but we did apply also for Safe Routes to School on um, Wallingford between 150th and 155th at Parkwood and including a segment on 150th. And part of the reason why the segments we applied for are a little bit longer than what is in these proposed amendments is we do know from our work with Safe Routes to School, they like it when it connects to something. So having a sidewalk that then just ends onto a shoulder or doesn't connect to another sidewalk isn't as competitive so we've tried to connect it to other sidewalks. So they're a little bit longer projects.
6: So this, those might be more competitive other than, uh, as opposed to the Cascade uh, sidewalk that
15: connects very little? Is that maybe why? Correct, correct. That's why, that's my opinion. Um, That's my experience is that if we can connect to another sidewalk we provide more connectivity it's more competitive. Okay, thank you.
1: Other questions, comments? Go ahead. Uh, Thank you, Mayor. Um, If this amendment were to to pass and would this uh, 0.5 LT uh, limited firm position help with design of other projects including Safe Routes to School projects that may be, the city may receive in the future? Let me see if
15: I can get, if I got that question right. Would this term limited position help with other projects, either these projects in general and other projects that we would be looking at for grants specifically or just other deliverable projects?
1: Would this sort of help in terms of, would this position help or be supported by any Safe Routes to School grant receives for let's say the park that Parkwood segment? It could be, yes. Okay.
15: We did not in our, in our grant applications obviously did not include uh, it includes the cost for staffing but we have not asked for an additional FTE. Uh, we would fit this in with our other, other work uh, but it would be behind our other priorities of the other uh, uh, sales and use tax sidewalk
1: projects. And uh, if I might, um, of the three amendments that I've proposed, um, this—it's the city's recommendation. Staff's current thought, thinking that the Parkwood segment probably would score the best and is the most competitive, followed by Echo—the Echo Lake segment, then Cascade or.
15: I really haven't looked at the Echo Lake segment well close enough to really know how it would compete, and I really don't have a opinion or a perception of which between Parkwood and Cascade would compete better.
1: Well, I think you said in the response that you thought that the Parkwood oh no the Park or well, the full Parkwood segment would compete better.
15: Both projects can be compete better when they're extended to connect to
1: existing sidewalks. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Mayor. All
0: right. Other questions or comments? So I don't like doing business this way. I mean we we had a whole process on this and we had a citizen recommendation and if we get into council discussions of individual sidewalks we will end up with chaos. We will end up with no measurable method. That said I'm voting for this because at some point you hear enough from a council member and you hear enough from the community that there's a specific discrete problem that we need to fix. This for me is a, a, a true exception in terms of how I intend to vote because I have the biggest concern is equity related and it's that someone with access to council and someone with the ability to lobby, the linguistic ability and the time and the personality to lobby can make something seem more important than some other problem which may actually be but doesn't have as good of an advocate. So I I just, I I don't, I mean there's a long history to this particular one. It is definitely a sidewalk that should be built but we had a fatality over the weekend on a completely unrelated road, not sidewalk related but maybe that section of road is more important and I don't know and none of us knows so based upon the number of times this has come up and the extent of concerns I'm voting for this one I'm unlikely to vote for other out of project out of process uh, specific amendments to to road projects is there a comment no all right anything further Moore?
5: yeah Uh, I agreed totally with your first part of the speech and I uh, believe that the sidewalk, when we did the whole sidewalk program, there was a lot of deep thinking on how to do this. And I'm really hesitant to uh, increase the withdrawal from the budget for something that I really truly believe, based on what we had, were told at the conference, is prime territory for these grants that are available. So I'd rather get grant money, whether it's what we've already applied for or through this other uh, thing, and keep the priorities that were originally established. Thank you.
0: Right. just a follow-up question. If we do get grant funding from this, the this appropriation is simply returned to the general funds, correct?
15: Yes, that's an okay.
0: option. Right. Um, but more comments than usual. I just, AWC is great, but really they are cheerleaders and they're helpful cheerleaders, but just, I mean, it's a new, different thing every year, and. It's easy to come back from there thinking that that's the end all be all, and that's why we go, and that's why we also hopefully let it soak in a bit. <laughs> huh. So, any further comments? No? All right, can we uh, call the vote?
2: Councilmember Ramsdale?
0: Aye.
2: Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember Roberts?
5: Aye. Mayor Scully? Aye.
2: Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Mork?
5: Nay.
0: Right. The motion passes six to one and the deputy mayor has corrected me. It's NLC not AWC. I apologize.
1: <laughs> um, so amendment five passes. Um, or Any other amendments? Councilman Roberts. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just wanted to have a couple more comments about the budget and uh, before we go for a final vote here.
0: Sure. Um, Let, let's let's get all the amendments out of the way first. Sure. Are, are you planning on moving any of yours? I don't know. Not <laughs> All right. Are there any other amendments and before we return to discussions on the on the the budget as, as amended? Okay. All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, the, you've I had it. Was, was going on? It was ready to go and <laughs> when you, uh, threw you, off. you threw me off. Yes. That's okay. why, right. uh, why I get the extra 500 per month. Yes. <laughs> No, thank thank you Mayor. Um, The, I appreciate um, the comments that were made about sort of the general philosophy about the budget over the these past amendments. I think that what I enjoy, what I enjoy about my colleagues is the thoughtful nature of of how they deliberate and how they think about moving forward on on projects and proposals. I think I want to say a couple of things first sort of about the the philosophy of this one it, it, of budgeting is that as I said at the outset I think that Debbie Terry and Miss Lane and the rest of the staff and who've put the budget together and worked on this come up with something that's really great we're not uh, I was sort of watching on Twitter the Seattle City Council amendments and the hundreds of amendments and I don't even know what they ended up with or how they're ending up. Or I think they've actually vote next week so <laughs> finally vote next week. And I think that here we are I mean with the potential of 11 amendments all of which are have value I, I think that all of us believe have value and add value to the city and I think that's great. I think that's a testament to where we're not debating the we're in a very fortunate position, but we're not debating the substance of the budget. We're not trying to radically change what, is, uh, what was proposed. We are talking about sort of additions that I, that I think each of us individually believe of, add value to the community. That said, I do want to... This is the council's budget. At the end of the day, this is not the, st- the staff presents a wonderful budget to us, but it is our budget. And whether an amendment was offered at two o'clock on Sunday before the vote, or whether it was even adopt- brought up for the first time d- during this discussion, it uh, that did not happen. It happened no, yesterday. <laughs> uh, we have the oper- I mean, this is we had. That's the prerogative of council members. And we have that ability to think think about whether that makes sense in the overall picture. I mean, I I share the mayor's sentiment. I mean, we ought to be very cautious when we do this um, at the end of the day. But at the same time, we should not discourage that from, we should discourage it from happening, but we should not say prohibit that from happening. Um, But I think the sort of larger and sort of where we, Are I know that there is some squeamishness and sort of adding and that I've heard over the last few weeks from my colleagues we should be careful about spending from our undesignated general fund balance and and I think that's very appropriate Um, but we also have to look at sort of the overall picture of where we are in terms of that undesignated fund balance yes we need to be very careful in thinking about it but we also should not And I don't think we should ever get to a point where it's, as a percentage of our budget is as high as as it is today. And I know that we're, through these amendments, I mean, we're using some of that undesignated general fund balance. But I think we have a responsibility not to just have this in savings, that the community expects us to deliver on projects and deliver us on ways to make our community safer, to make our make our community stronger. And so the amendments that I think that I proposed and I know that my colleagues proposed are ways that I think in good ways to to advance that. Um, the proposal about communication I think is still valuable and I'm glad to see that it's going to be discussed or at least proposed to be discussed at our retreat because when we think about when I was talking to at NLC about sort of communication staff there was the people I talked to said yeah about a city your size you really should be considering thinking about these things. It may not be ripe today but I mean I think that's the already process of having discussions about it. it makes sense. When we think about uh, what we how what kind of amenities we want in our parks we should we we're limited by a budget and I know that we are concerned by um, how inflate what we're going to do to sort of meet some of the inflationary aspects that have happened over the past year. I think that we should not be we should be bold in our thinking and not necessarily think about what the what the installation costs of a project ought to be but also think about the long-term maintenance of of a project and what kind of income it might that those projects might produce. And I think those are conversations I hope to have in in a outside of the budget discussion um, I hope that we can continue to consider safety around our schools and I'm hopeful and excited, hopeful that some of our safe routes to school programs will be funded in, in the next year so I think that we're gonna have discussions over all these topics again and so I think that in some ways we can wait. <laughs> And sort of have larger discussions and put things into context because I think that's one thing that is sometimes difficult especially in mid-year processes that how do these things fit within the overall purpose, scope of the budget so I encourage yes vote on the budget and do want to again want to thank the staff for putting this together and being great stewards for our city thank you mayor
0: thank you council Member. any other questions or comments or amendments all right. Will the clerk please call the? Did you have a? No, getting ready to vote. All right. Uh, will the clerk please call the vote on the budget as amended? The, sorry, the ordinance as amended.
2: Councilmember McConnell, aye. Councilmember Mork, aye. Councilmember Ramsdale, aye. Councilmember Roberts, aye. Councilmember Povey. Aye. aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson, aye. Mayor Scully, aye.
0: All right. The ordinance as amended passes unanimously which brings us on to study item 9a which is a discussion of the the discussion of the comprehensive emergency management plan I think we have remote presenters for this one
2: yes I need to move Ryan over as a panelist he'll be with us momentarily and
4: Mayor if if I may I from the staff's perspective do want to say a big thank you to uh, Miss Lane and her entire budget team for all of their hard work over the uh, starting in the summer for putting the budget together so thank you Sarah. Thank you
11: all right one
16: moment Uh Can everyone see the screen? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Ryan Zabala. I am the Emergency Operations Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Shoreline. Um, so thank you so much for having me today uh, talking about the Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan. Some background on the plan is that the CEMP is, uh, establishes the overall framework for integration of the emergency, emergency services that happen within the City of Shoreline. Um, This plan is required by state and federal law. State requires it in the RCW as well as the WAC. Uh, It is is also required by the federal government for cities to be eligible for federal emergency management funding in the the response to a disaster scenario. Current status of the CEMP. Uh, So the previous plan was approved in 2015. The CEMP is normally due every five years. Ours was set to renew in 2020. Um, but due to COVID, we did have an extension for uh, Washington cities to 2021. And then due to staff uh, staff changes in emergency management, ours uh, was specifically extended to the end of 2022. Um, so that being said, our CEMP is due to the state emergency management division by December 31st of this year. So this, this CEMP is the fifth rendition of the plan. Uh, so we can go over what the CEMP is and then go over the updates we made to the plan. Comprehensive emergency management plan uh, is two parts. So it's the basic plan. And then, uh, so the basic plan is the, the guidance to overall emergency management activities within the city. Um, so that's basically talking about how how the city would go about emergency management. And then, the second plan, is, the second part of the plan is those 16 emergency support functions. Uh, so that's where we kind of get into the somewhat nitty gritty of um, where certain departments would function in the city during during a disaster or an event scenario where we would have to operate an emergency operations center. Um, And just so people know, the format information included in the CEMP is heavily determined by uh, federal, state, and King County County guidance. Um, So that is the the basics of the CEMP. It is a uh, 30,000-foot level document. So it's not really, when I say nitty-gritty, it's not getting into um, what certain comp- certain eight, uh, departments are going to get into uh, doing during earthquake. It's just it's an overall uh, overarching concept and guidance. The main updates include uh, the update of the Emergency Operations Center organization chart. This was approved by the leadership team from the city earlier this year. Uh, we can go over that a little bit later later in this presentation. The uh, other CEMP updates include. Uh, Reflecting the changes in the city organization, there has been uh, significant change to the organization uh, from 2015 to 2022. Um, There's been uh, significant improvement in readability and simplicity of the document. Uh, There was a comment earlier this this evening talking about how there was a reduction in page length. Um, So it's a little bit more easy for the general public to read um, and for departments to pick up and and use during an emergency scenario. Um, the other updates is that we reference external and internal plans within, uh, within the CEMP instead of including them within the CEMP. That, that being, we don't have the actual pages in the document, uh, we, refer, we reference them, uh, we reference uh, standard operating procedures, we reference disaster, other disaster plans. Uh, instead of including them in the 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 main guidance document, there those are the plans to start getting into more of uh, what is actually going on in the on the ground. Here are some of the um, city uh, emergency-related plans that uh, the CEMP is is um, kind of hovers over. Uh, so we have several different plans that are um, external plans that we would follow, such as the King County Regional Coordination Framework. Uh, We have city specific plans. uh, As you can see here, we have disaster recovery plans. Uh, We have staff training plan that was approved this year. Um, We have hazard mitigation plans. Uh, Just to kind of give you a more of a background on on what the CEMP could cover. The next slide is a little bit busy, um, but don't look at the next slide as uh, these are all the plans that the city currently has. It's all the plans that could be and that's why the CEMP is so important as a 30,000 foot level document, and not a um, not a word for word what the city is going to do during an emergency. So at the top, you'll see the Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan, and underneath there is a variety of different plans, job aids, um, standard operating procedures that that go uh, <coughs> that are used in an emergency. Uh, scenario today, we're just uh, just getting the, the discussion for the comprehensive emergency management plan portion. Um, we can move on to the EOC organization chart on the next slide. Again, this was approved earlier this year. Uh, I wanted to point out that the emergency management activities are guided by the city manager or their appointee during an emergency scenario. Um, that way, That's why they're on top of the organization chart. Um, we do have several different uh, different approaches we we can we can have and in an org, org chart. Uh, the the main purpose of this organization chart is a a template for emergencies. Um, you can either use the entire organization chart during an emergency, or you can use portions of it, uh, which I won't get into that too much because that's uh, we can talk about that all night if I if I really wanted to. There were some, some specific uh, questions on emergency communications within the city. So I wrote down some some information that uh, I would like everyone to know. We have a variety of redundancies and um, coordination with outside agencies when it comes to emergency communications, which is ESF2. Um, we are uh, involved with an organization called P-CERN, the Puget Sound Emergency Radio Network within King County. Uh, it's a very large coordination group that is, um, it's it's now it's in the process of updating our 800 megahertz radios into digital radios uh so that's a significant update to uh, jurisdictions not only excuse me agencies not only within the city of shoreline but across king county um there's a lot of other emergency systems that we that we use we have a code we have code red uh, which is our internal notification system for staff talking about how um if we have a, an air quality alert or a situation where we would need staff to either stay home or come to the office and, and be prepared to respond to an emergency, that's how we would notify uh, notify staff. Uh, we also have the trolling Aux- auxiliary communication service, which we had a member uh, uh, for public comment earlier this evening talk about them and they're um, invaluable to communications. They are critical service, in my opinion. Um, very uh, very happy that we have a volunteer group that is uh, able to provide communication services such as they do. so I know that was pretty quick uh, but we did discuss the CMP and other plans that uh, are within the uh, within the purview of the CMP again just want to reiterate this is a uh, high level guidance document for emergency operations within the, within the city um, and I wanted to uh, hope for for more action on this document for December 5th and that is all for this evening thank you so much for having me
0: thank you mr zavala um just ca- can you remind us what our role is here what 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 is our action item on the fifth
16: so we would like to be, have the the cem people on the consent agenda so that way we can uh, have that approved for uh, from city council all right thank you questions or
0: comments from council Councilmember popey or deputy, deputy mayor <laughs> okay
7: um Thank you Mayor. Um, Thank you so much Mr. Zavala. I have an invested interest in preparedness um, due to my daytime line of work. Uh, So just just really quickly, and it was brought up during public comment as well, this idea that it is the responsibility of residents of Shoreline to educate themselves. Do we have any idea if we believe like how if how well are our citizens prepared? Do they have a sense of Of even that they have that responsibility that it is it on them the onus is on them are we doing anything to help facilitate that Um, and and then secondary um, the the three days versus seven weeks which is like industry standard is now trying to try to get people to be prepared for up to two weeks uh, to fend for themselves in the event of a major event so just kind of follow up to those questions if you don't mind
16: yeah there's coordination at all levels of government trying to ensure that citizens are prepared uh, for scenarios emergencies uh, disasters that would come to them the city has a a variety of information on our website that talks about what citizens can do uh, when they go into emergency management portion of our website they can see all the plans that the city currently has it has a lot of documents to specific hazards and what's what families and citizens can do during those hazards Mm -hmm. Um, we also make try to make as many appearances as we can at public events, such so as Celebrate Shoreline to uh, to provide some education to the public uh, about emergency plans, about what the city is doing in, in emergency planning, how they can prepare themselves for disasters. And we do try to say as much as we can that they um, during a disaster scenario where we have infrastructure going down, roads are, are closed, and we're trying to, to open up emergency routes for our emergency vehicles there may be a time where the city simply can't respond to each individual residence or each individual neighborhood they need to we need to set up uh, our roads first our communications make sure those are, are continuously working um and we may not see uh residents may not see the city come to help uh as as was said in three days a week up to two weeks i, I, bl- I do believe there was an update to two weeks so that may have been uh something that i have had over uh uh, overlooked in that document so I look into um, that guidance uh, that that wording on that that portion.
7: Um, thank you just one final plug get to know your neighbors get to know your neighbors understand what resources they have um, what the fragilities are what the what what things can be shared if there are individuals who have you know need of uh, support due to medical devices that require electricity, um, that sort of thing. I can't stress that enough. Just as a, a public service announcement, get to know your neighbors, take care of each other, uh, should something terrible happen. Put debt, put in that investment now. Um, and that's for just anyone who's out there listening, uh, and it'll return in spades. Thank you.
0: Absolutely.
14: Council Public. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, first of all, I just want to congratulate you one more time for your appointment to the Washington State Emergency Management uh, Advisory Group. I think it's, it's, it's a great resource, and we are fortunate that we have somebody like you there. Number one is, as uh, I read through the entire um, you know, um, plan, there are a few concerns, obviously. Number one was, I, I just went to a single apartment and asked 10 people. Do you know where the EOC is? And the question was, what is even EOC? And so the education can't stress enough about what Deputy Mayor just outlined. I think we possibly have not done enough work to get the message out there. And I was even thinking of other languages. This is emergency management, which needs preparedness. And I know a lot of investment that goes into getting us prepared. The question I want to ask is: Can we independently activate our EOC and run it without support from outside jurisdictions?
16: Absolutely, that's one thing that uh, I'm striving to get to this coming year, uh, with the with the consent of the CEMP. Hopefully, again on the fifth, um, that'll open up open up our, our opportunities to exercise and train on the CEMP, train on the new organization chart. Uh, and, and get us going into how how departments recognize okay this is what an eoc is this is how operations are uh, are done at the eoc level and how they relate to the staff in the field and what our city workers are doing in the field to respond to uh, to said disasters
14: okay thank you and the other one to ask is how are we set up to support um, larger agencies within the city example shoreline community college or the school district where we have a lot of people gathering at a time where there won't be time for all these people to transport to the uh, eoc for safety
16: absolutely uh can you clarify one more time on that last part you said transporting how's the
14: communication set up between
16: okay okay gotcha uh so the coordination with shoreline community college and the school district and other large organizations within shoreline uh, it's it's there. There's uh, definitely com- uh, communications happening from emergency management with the city uh, to those uh, um, those agencies um, within sh- within shoreline or those other other larger um, larger population entities within shoreline. Uh, I've had meetings with the uh, the school district on emergency pre- preparations and talking about uh, how the city and how the school district will respond during a, a disaster or an emergency scenario at the schools or in the city. Um, there's been communications with the community college on uh, bolstering up our our uh, our exercise with them. Uh, I know they have some projects that uh, we're going to hopefully partner on this coming year uh, in terms of exercise and training for our police and fire departments within the city. So that's an exciting opportunity for uh, coordination. So there is coordination going on behind the scenes, uh, such as uh, emergency management is. Um, so there is a there is a definitely a lot of. Uh, uh, communication that's happening behind the scenes uh, with emergency management. So um, we can have that, that training opportunity in the future.
14: Thank you, I have two more. I don't intend to have my mic blank, but um, the third I wanna ask is, when well, the gentleman who made the comment, he said they test every week, every month, and quarterly in King County, he never mentioned shoreline. Have we conducted a drill just to make sure our systems are already in place?
16: Are you specifically referencing our communication system? Communication, or?
14: especially in relation with the EOC. Uh,
16: so that's as far as I know. I don't believe that it was done uh, before COVID. As a city and in, in, in general, at the emergency operations center standpoint, uh, I believe there was no um, there wasn't a whole bunch of opportunities to to drill within the EOC itself. Uh, however, with uh, the Shoreline Audio-, Audio Communication Service, we are um, working with them uh, monthly to ensure that we have those coordination uh, for critical critical infrastructure communication systems ready to go for uh, for an emergency scenario. There are a lot of redundancies. Um, as was in my presentation, there's a decent amount of redundancies that the city has to fall back on. Uh, we're working to, to make sure that those are um, Something again that we train and exercise on to ensure that those stay, stay active during a disaster.
14: Thank you. Lastly, I just want to thank you for bringing that up because when I saw that 800 megahertz will, is going to be down and there won't be any room for communication, I thought about, have we thought about moving forward to 700 megahertz? But here we are today, based on interoperability, maybe we are connected to other jurisdictions which makes communication possible. Am I right?
16: Absolutely,
0: yeah, Thank redundancy and, and coordination is absolutely key. Council
16: Roberts. Thank you. A couple <laughs> questions. Um, the first question
1: is I only saw a couple references in the plan to the um, auxiliary communication team and maybe one reference to CERT. Is that, can you explain to me how the intentionality is sort of not really placing those um, entities into the plan?
16: So CERT is a CERT and ACS. They're both volunteer groups within the city. Uh, so ACS is their own. They have their own five hundred one C three company within uh, within Shoreline. So they are uh, mostly operate independently, but we do coordinate with them on a regular basis. And they do have a spot and a position within our emergency operations center for communications. Um, and the one of the things that again I mentioned in my presentation was that the there's a lot of changes within the CEMP and one of those changes was taking standard operating procedures out. So that way it's a little bit easier to read and those folks who specifically work with those plans in communications or work with those plans in public works, they have those operating procedures with them when they respond to an EOC or out in the field. They can work with those um, specifically and not have to read a, a, a giant document that has all of the information. They just have a specific information that's, uh, that works with just that portion of, of the emergency.
1: Okay it makes sense. Um, Just wanted to if someone were to read it and they wouldn't really see cert and ACS in the plan so um, I know there are a few people in the community who read it. Uh, My second question is um, looking at section 4 of the plan or at least the basic plan the roles and responsibilities it spells out very nicely sort of each individual um, staff member Uh, so two quick questions about that Um, how does the plan respond if there is someone who's not serving in those any one of those positions so either by vacancy or inability to be around and and be helpful
16: yeah okay So the idea of the the emergency operations center and those roles and responsibilities, uh, the idea is that we make them I, simple is not the term I want to use, but they make, we make them simple enough so that way people who are in departments can pick up that that information and, and that, those roles and responsibilities and start working on that that project. So, for example, if we uh, if we didn't have a public works director and there was a significant uh, um, significant damage to our road infrastructure. We would look to other uh, individuals within the Public Works Department who can fill that role, uh, fill that position within the Emergency Operations Center, and then backfill what, whatever they're doing in the field um, with with intention that they would they would communicate uh, again with from the EOC to the field. There's a lot of different redundancies within uh, within the Emergency Emergency Operations Center chart um, that we've given. There is, I believe, each each position has a primary and a secondary. Uh, but again, it is a, a, uh, uh, I guess a picture perfect feel of what an EOC should be. But in the, in, the, in reality, you're right. There's a lot of opportunities where um, perhaps when people can't respond to the EOC, or we have folks who um, are are stuck in traffic, or they're stuck, they're snowed in, or, or something of that nature. We have. Um, we have backups, and we have ways to communicate with folks, and ways to to coordinate during a disaster and emergency. They are they they all have their own standard operating procedures that, again, are separated from this the specific 30,000 foot level guidance document uh, that they would use during disaster. There is levels of, um, uh, I'm losing the word. Uh, We have primary, secondaries, and tertiaries, and there's a whole long list of people who can take up a role, essentially, during a disaster. Okay,
1: Um, and that's very helpful, and I think it's very clear. It's very good that it's clear what each department or department director does. One, however, when I look at M, which sort of combines two positions, and the two distinct positions in the current org chart, there's the intergovernmental program manager and the economic development manager, both who have overlapping, seemingly overlapping respons- roles and responsibilities. And I, I think when we're trying to sort of be clear about what, who's responsible for what, I don't see that being clear. So I look to you and look to the staff to sort of why either why that was combined or should that be sep- should those be separated into distinct roles?
16: So both of those roles show up in the EOC and then also show up differently within the the CEMP the basic plan. Is that correct? They're combined into one
1: with the sort of the same responsible role same roles and same responsibilities. And specifically, it says on number five, uh, M5 on page uh, 15 of the basic plan that they shall serve as the liaison officer to the EOC. But it doesn't; it, it's not clarifying who, which one of those individuals actually serves in that position.
16: So that's that's kind of the beauty of the emergency operations center is we have the redundancies in place, so that way people. Who have similar roles, but maybe not the same responsibilities at a day to day level, they can take up those positions within the EOC and work that same position. Does that make sense? Not really, but okay. I, I don't know how to you
1: know, keep continuing this line of questioning. So uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, you may... I'm
0: interpreting the yeah. question as if, if these two folks show up at the same time and they're both supposed to be doing the same thing, who decides who's
16: doing what? that would be up to the EOC manager, which is the emergency, oper- emergency management coordinator. So that'd be my position. Whenever we open up an, an EOC and if we have people showing up that are saying, hey, I'm here for this role, and someone says, hey, I'm here for the same role, depending on the disaster, depending on the emergency, there's specific folks who would suit better in that position. Uh, so for example, in our supplies uh, category, in our EOC chart, we have admin assistance. And we put admin assistance, so that way we can say, well, if we have, uh, a disaster where there's a significant amount of mass care. Uh, we would need a specific admin assistant who can who can give us those supplies. We wouldn't necessarily need supplies from uh, from someone from a different department if that department has the the position who normally does that role. All
0: right. Other questions or comments? No, any objection to seeing this on consent on the fifth? All right. Mr. Zavala, thank you very much and thank you for the guided tour through this and I'm glad we didn't just uh, put it on consent and then instead we we learned quite a bit about it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brings us to our final study item, study item 9B, which is discussion of resolution number 948, surplus property designation, and I believe Mrs. Junkie is presenting.
15: Good evening again. Um, So tonight we're here to Discuss resolution 498 for the surplus of property that was excess property that was purchased as part of the 145th corridor project uh, Located at Third Avenue north So tonight I will walk you through um, The requirements of the municipal code when it comes to sale and disposal of real properties Then I'll provide some general information on the property. We're recommending for surplus and then we'll review resolution 498 that designates the parcel for surplus and then its council discussion for tonight. So the Shoreline Municipal Code, Chapter 3, Section 55, specifically addresses the sale and disposal of real property. The first component of that uh, section of the Municipal Code uh, has to do with the policy and when would the city uh, deem a parcel uh, or property to be surplus. And in that policy, we do need to get a reasonable return or you know, an equal or greater to fair market value on that surplus of property. And the property has to have no current or future need, and it would be put to higher and better use for the community at large by surplusing the property. And the next portion of the code includes the procedures used for the surplus of property. Uh, there, the procedures include detailed information that needs to be included in the staff report. And then a public hearing is also required. Uh, for this project, the staff report for tonight does uh, address all of those issues that are required per the Municipal Code. And then the public hearing is scheduled for December 5th. And then the final section of this code has to do with the sale procedure. It does identify that any property with a value over 50000 requires a full appraisal uh, to determine the fair market value. And then it also defines the method of sale options for the method of sale for individual properties, either bid or auction, negotiating with an abutting property owner or a real estate uh, broker sale. So moving into this specific parcel, uh, on the 145th corridor, we did purchase full eight, eight full parcel acquisitions. Uh, at this time, we're only recommending surplus of one of those parcels. Uh, at the end of construction, we do expect to return to council for additional uh, parcels that would be eligible for surplus. And here you can see on the left, uh, the green um, parcels are the eight full parcel, ac- parcel acquisitions that were for the first phase of the corridor project. And then on the right, the orange parcel is the parcel of discussion tonight. And then this just provides an aerial view of that same parcel and then specifically this provides the address of the parcel this was acquired earlier this year and we have identified that there is about 11640 square feet that is available for surplus and we have had some interest from an adjacent or from a developer that is uh, interested in acquiring the adjacent parcels as well Um, This is a prominent location Uh, within the MUR 70. We can see high economic potential as a gateway or signature uh, development, kind of reflective of the vision of the 148th sub area. Um, There is good market potential, but it's really limited to the abutting property owners. It would not do well as a standalone parcel of uh, trying to sell without it being uh, sold to uh, an abutting property owner. And so we ask that our recommendation is that parcels sold at fair market value through negotiations with the abutting property owners, and then that the proceeds of this sale are used for the 145th corridor phase two, uh, and for being able to proceed with that part project. Uh, it is worth noting the municipal code does not say that the... Uh, that the, the funding received from the sale or the monies received from the sale needs to go back to capital. However, with the funding we use to purchase the property, we do have a requirement that it gets put back into a project uh, that has federal funding. Um, And use of uh, this sales of surplus property has been our strategy all along for how to fund phase two of the uh, next phase of the corridor. And here you can just see another overview of the development that we're starting to see occur in this area. You can see the red outlined as the parcel of concern. You can see how it lines up uh, with the roundabout project uh, and a couple of those projects. Other projects are either under construction or near construction, so we really have a limited window of time in which to surplus this property in order to aggregate it with the other parcels uh, that are uh, listed for sale there. And so moving to Resolution 498, uh, we are specifically looking for a declaration of 14509 3rd Avenue is not needed, nor will it be needed, and the city will attain a reasonable return of the sale. So that's the declaration of that parcel as surplus. And then it also includes the authorization to sell that surplus property by negotiated sale with an abutting property owner. And then finally, the the resolution does also include a reservation for a temporary construction easement uh, that would facilitate construction of the corridor and the interchange projects would be a condition of the sale. And then we would also be seeking uh, a sale at 100% of the market value as established by an independent appraisal. And so there's no action required tonight. Tonight is for discussion, and then a public hearing is scheduled for December 5th, and then final action is scheduled after the public hearing. And with that, I'll be happy to answer any questions.
0: Questions or comments from Council? Council Roberts? Deputy Mayor?
7: I just have a question about the the current state of that parcel and the structure that is there. I I I believe this is the site of some um, unwanted activity in the neighborhood and so I just wonder if surplusing would um,
15: how quickly that could be addressed. Well separate from the surplusing of the property we're also in the process of trying to demolish all of the structures that are currently vacant. That is what we think will be the best The quickest path in order to be able to address some of those issues. And that
7: does, uh, the demolition does not require, surplusing is not required for the demolition to happen. Is that correct? Are they aligned? It could
15: probably be negotiated either way. Um, We're proceeding with the surplus, I mean with the demolition, and uh, it would just depend on timing with the negotiation and what the adjacent property owner, or what the abutting property owner would would want. Thank you.
1: Councilman Roberts. Uh, Thank you. So the idea of surplusing is that there's no future or desired use for this parcel. Has this been considered as a neighborhood or pocket park?
15: Yes, we have had discussions with the Parks Department about use as as a pocket park. Um, There is a parcel immediately adjacent to this. Um, Jessica, if you could put the slide back up. Um, It showed the overview. I think it was the second or the, f- the one that had the red, the parcel is the red. Um, okay. and so the map I with it. the redevelopment. Yep,
3: This
15: one? Um, yeah, that one will work. You can see that other parcel adjacent to it that's labeled as 164. That will be a stormwater facility and we can also use that as a pocket park. Um, when we did talk to the parks department, there was not a uh, uh, I mean, there's always an interest in having additional park space, but there wasn't any real funding or a vision for the parcel here that we're surplusing to be used as a pocket park. Um, but we will have the triangular parcel adjacent to it that can be uh, used for multi-purpose as both a stormwater facility and as an open space
1: pocket park. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's good to see more... Parkland, but this is a neighborhood in an area where, uh, it, when we're talking about and thinking about preserving trees and every and environmental benefits, this is a neighborhood and this is a section of the city where nearly every tree has been torn down um, in the next, within like two or three blocks from the site. This is a good size site. Um, it is. would be a difficult entry uh, into the property from 145th um, is that's a relatively tight corner and I don't even know if we want to have a street there in the future. Um, I would rather not move forward or move fast on this as a surplus property. I would rather have a fuller discussion about the long-term potential of this property and the adjacent parcel uh, of what can be done there and in the meantime these are good trees. I, I'm not ready to move forward on this as fast as the staff is proposing. Thank you mayor. Councilman McCall.
6: Thank you mayor. Um, the appraisal that you got uh, that you um, shared with us at, at 145 per uh, square foot was that based on uh, the adjacent sales there or somewhere else because with MUR 70 that value can change significantly and I see it was a March 2020 so I know it's recent uh, because it seems a little on the low end but again you can share whether that was the adjacent sales thank you
15: so at the time that parcel would have done the appraisal back last March it would have been uh, based upon other comps that were not necessarily the sales of these immediate parcels because we hadn't had recent sales. Uh, that was before some of the consolidations for the Shea development and the consolidations for the Evergreen. If we were to reappraise it today, we may see dollars, the dollar value go up. Um, but with today's market we may also start to see the dollar value of property go down. It's just uncertain. i
6: um, uh- I agree with you on both. However with the uh, considering that we are going to sell it to abutting owners there's only really two two large owners and uh, if they need it it would be a value to them similar to what they bought the rest of their their units. One looks like it's already in process the other one is still probably not um, as far along so I would think they'd be more likely candidate to consider whether they want to make their uh, complex larger.
15: Well, uh, what, from, a, from an abutting property owner perspective, there's the property that's already under construction, Evergreen, um, and this property would not be of value to them because they're already under construction. They're already designed. Uh, so it's really only a value to the abutting property the, owners that, are, that are ready to aggregate and uh, combine into into that last grouping of houses.
6: Yeah, and for the specific property, is it only the one no, uh, north? Immediately, almost immediately north. Jessica, can you move north. to
4: the other slide that yeah. showed the, the, the development. developments?
15: I could probably tell you what slide number it is. Go to the next slide. Next. The one that, that has one. ever... Yeah, that
13: one.
15: Yeah, so it's really only a value to the one that's most immediately north to it. Yeah,
6: of it? that's what I'm thinking. So in all fairness to us considering keeping it, I... Think it's an expensive piece of property to keep for a pocket park when we could probably get other uh, single-family zoning or even MUR 35 and or 45 lots that might turn over and we should probably keep an eye on all of it, Uh, all of those, but MUR 70 is pretty expensive for us to hold on to it for possible park. So, and that's more my, um, kind of sharing my discussion with Councilmember Roberts, that I'm, I don't need to hold it uh, to, you know, the, I'm ready to surplus it. Thank you.
3: For the questions or comments, Councilmember. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I really appreciate uh, Council Member Roberts' comments. Um, I, I think, that, you know, especially since this is in an area of increased density. And uh, where there's increased density they're really I mean open public open space comes at a premium and there's an opportunity to to provide a public open space to an area of the of the city that um, really will benefit greatly um, by having public open space we know that kind of the standard is one acre per hundred residents I mean the American Planning Association that's their standard and um, we certainly have more than 100 residents in that area and uh, we're not coming close to providing that. Kind of what, what's the recommended um, public open space for that population around there? So um, I would concur with uh, Councilmember Roberts' uh, um, uh, uh, request to hold off on selling this and I'm um, kind of looking at that that lot as well as the adjacent um, triangular lot as a potential um, uh, neighborhood park. Thank you. Councilmember?
5: So I'm confused. There's only then one possible abutting owner that might be interested in it. Why, I'm, I'm not clear on why it's urgent to sell it right now then, under that circumstances, if it's only one person, and you've, you've stipulated how to figure out the cost, but it seems like it's always with one person, they're going to pay, if they want it, they're going to pay what you want. The urgency,
15: The urgency has more to do with timing of when those parcels will aggregate and develop. If those parcels aggregate, somebody purchases, purchases all of those parcels that are listed for sale and they move forward with a building proposal and they do a design, uh, once they've moved in that direction and they've started to design their building, then that they've moved on past that abutting property. Um, so it's only uh, the urgency is more that there is a developer interested in this parcel and in this aggregation. And that uh, if we don't, if we're not available to surplus it in their timing, it may be a lost opportunity forever. So,
5: but the developer hasn't said we bought it. We're moving. We're going to design. Correct. Correct? It's still
15: speculation.
5: So, would it be possible to uh, notify that director or that that potential owner that if they were interested to contact the city, is that a possible thing to do and
15: yeah, we've actually already had two meetings with the potential developer there, and so yeah, we're in contact with them. Uh, I don't, I don't recall what their latest timing is for aggregation. I do know that uh, if I was to wear my uh, the economic development director's or manager's hat. He would say this is, you know, it really increases the value of that parcel of that, that what's listed for sale, if it's also then connected and has visibility to 145th and it has a larger footprint in which to develop on.
5: I'm I'm just trying to understand the the relative urgency. Uh, if if you would know that yes, he has got the other properties purchased and is ready to move on, could so, we not do this then?
15: I guess it depends on what the ur- what, how you want to define urgency in some respects. If they move on within in the next month or the next you know three to six months, um, we brought this as a timing because we were ready for it and to show that the pro- that the developer that we were ready to move forward on surplus. It's hard to know if our window of opportunity is is one month or three months or six months. Um, it's hard to know what that
0: level of urgency is. Ms. King had a comment.
13: I just want to clarify that in order for the property to be sold it has to be surplus first and so that is the reason that the council is considering the surplus of the property so uh, the developer can't come and offer to buy it because it's not surplus I just wanted to make sure that I clarified that
5: uh, thank you I, I just assumed that it must be reasonably easy to get something that's relatively straightforward on the calendar And I assumed that, uh, again, not understanding how it works, that if the developer showed some interest, that we could surplus it at that time relatively quickly.
13: Correct me if I'm wrong, but has the developer not indicated any interest? Yes, the developer
15: has indicated interest, which is what actually initiated us to say we needed to surplus this sooner rather than later.
13: I I think the issue is if the council's not interested in surplusing it, then let's not waste staff or the developer's time.
14: Council Member Public. Yeah, but you just said what I I was going to say for some reason. Yeah, I was saying that it it sounds as if we are doing it because someone has shown interest. We should, I think it should be the opposite. This is what we want to do before anybody shows interest.
15: I understand that, but it has been part of our financial strategy for the the 145th quarter was to be able to use some sales of, from surplus property in order to fund the next phase. So it's also part of our financial strategy as well.
0: All right. I have a question, then we'll go to the second round. So it, are we able to convert this to parkland using the funds we've already expended to acquire it, or do we need to basically purchase it from ourselves? because of any of the grant money we've received or anything else like that?
15: As long as it stays city property, there, there's no it can be
0: used. Okay. Are, are we able to donate it like we did property on Aurora for affordable housing development, or would we need to reimburse somebody if we did that?
13: I don't know if
15: I can answer that. I don't know, Margaret, if you know the specifics on that.
13: I, I It depends on, as, as the mayor pointed out, if funds, if certain funds were used that limit its use, we've had that happen before. So it depends on the funding. Um, as I, I believe, I, was federal funding used for?
15: We used Connecting Washington, so it was state funding. Okay, state funding. But so the that project's federalized as well, so we still have to follow federal requirements. Correct.
13: Correct. And it's my understanding, as Ms. Junkie pointed out, that um, in in acquiring some of these properties for staging and construction, it was anticipated that we... We're purchasing some of the property but we would not then need to use all of it long term so that's a good question we could take a different look at other uses for this property Um, that was not really considered at the time that it was purchased
0: let me make a comment and then we'll go to the second round I don't I mean I appreciate all that and I understand the, the desire to keep the funding strategy this is possibly looking at the zoomed out thing this is possibly the least optimal property for a park or for affordable housing just because it's right on 145th and I'm mindful of the parcel we still own that's at 185th in Aurora which is that sort of patch of weeds um, and we have opted on numerous occasions over the years not to develop that as a park because nobody knows what to do with it so I don't want us to hold on to useless properties at the same time it's the least desirable parcel but it's also the only one and and if we're going to put parks that are walkable where you can take a kid to go on the swings where are we going to get the land here I mean it's, it's a long hike to Hamlin or to the next park Um, And affordable housing in the townhouse areas, quite frankly, I call that a fail. I don't think we've succeeded at our goals of getting affordable townhouses. I think we're gonna do much better in MUR 70, but if we can put affordable housing in there, I don't want to miss any parcel, right? So I don't, I'm cognizant of all this and that this looked like it was something that just go on consent. But for me, I I just, I so don't want to give up on parkland. Although, you know, we were in a meeting today, Councilman Ramsdell and I, where we were hearing from Parks Board members that they want to see stuff developed because people in their neighborhoods are getting frustrated that we've got all these vacant lots sitting around. So anyway, a lot of words to say, I'm not prepared to surplus it because okay. it looks to me like it is a, it's probably not a diamond in the rough, it's probably a beer can in the rough, but it's maybe the only thing we've got in that, in that neighborhood.
15: I will say we do have the other six parcels, five parcels that we have, are not asking for surplus yeah. that w- would be potential options for park. And I think uh, if you went back to Jessica, I think it's slide I actually have slide numbers in here. Slide seven. That one. Mm-hmm. You can see those other green parcels um, with the exception of the triangular parcel because uh, that will be a stormwater facility. So you do have other chances uh, at a later date yeah. for some additional park land.
0: Right, and I, and I guess that one that's it's at Corliss is bigger.
15: That one at Corliss, yeah,
0: that's three parcels. Deputy Mayor, do you come comment?
15: Yeah, just what
7: you just said is very interesting to me. The fact that this same exact conversation could be happening with some of these other parcels down the road. I, I guess I feel like I'd like to do a, before making a, a decision to let this one go or to keep it for a green space, to just have a better idea what, I mean, and again, to have a, a more intentional vision of what could be happening along that entire corridor rather than making just like piecemeal little onesie twosie decisions as we go. Uh, if there is some urgency to it, I guess that's, you know, that's something that we need to deal with. I would maybe be interested in getting a, a market uh, estimate uh, of how much money we are talking about potentially. Um, and I think, you know, we toss around the term park. Uh, but really a green space, a place to keep green and and use plants. It's not necessarily swings and, and, you know, toddlers toddling around, but uh, just preserved green space for the community. So those aren't any decisions there, just some rambling thoughts.
15: Yeah, your uh, question about what is the value, if we take the current appraisal at $145 and the size that we know, it does come out to be about $1.7 million.
0: Councillor McConnell, I apologize. Did you have a comment? Okay.
6: Yeah. You're taking it in the order that I saw. I was just doing the quick math. I didn't round up to 11,000 whatever's and it, and I got 1.6. So mill. And, and I do have an MUR 70 piece of property in Shoreline. I understand this on a personal level. The timing is critical in that this is a very valuable piece of property but only for the abutting owner. But if it's available as surplus, he'll probably jump on it, and if he doesn't then we are back to not having it sold anyway. So I would prefer the opportunity to surplus it because then we're going to get 1.7 million, you know, plus or minus commission and everything. That was, that's going to buy us some awesome parts. Other places or where, our, where it's more accessible. This is, as you all know, is right at the butt of the exit, entrance. No, the entrance or the exit off of southbound I-5. Um, I'm not sure how you would access it for anything other than, you know, foot traffic, but right. even the way it looks with the development that's already going on, they've already got a plan. If they don't have really access to that empty lot, it's going to be
8: dangerous.
15: Yeah not, with yeah. its proximity to the interchange and the roundabout it is limited access so you, you right now it, it's intended to not be able to have new accesses off of 145th onto that parcel so if it was a park it would need to be a walk-in there wouldn't be a uh, parking wouldn't be approved. Uh, all right, I, I'm and, not. Oh and then just finally
6: um, I lean toward the expertise of Nathan who's probably been working with um, the, the all the developers everywhere with every piece of parcel that we might have control over. Um, I I am going to support your uh, recommendation to surplus it, but uh,
15: again I'm only one vote, so thank you.
0: I'm not hearing consent calendar on this, so I think it needs to come back as an action. We
15: can't do consent calendar because it's a public hearing.
0: Okay. So, so we'll, we'll come back as a public hearing and with an action item planned for the same night? Yes. Okay. Um, I think this is not going to be cl- close so I would what I would suggest for me at least is if there's at least a temporary or a, you know a superficial analysis of those other parcels. I, I think you're hearing from at least three or four of us that having some park facility right. even a not optimal park facility within walking distance of this development is important and I also started the hair of affordable housing and if staff were to say gosh these three parcels here would be a much better option then I think that would move the discussion along significantly. Mayor, yeah.
13: um, would would the council like us to also take a look in, and um, into the restrictions because of the limited access nature and some of the other um, issues that you might want to consider with respect to this particular property? I think
0: well? that would be great. If it cannot be used for some purpose like a park, then we should know that before we go down the road of trying to make it one. Any other questions or comments on the study item? I apologize for cutting the discussion short, but I,
1: council member? Uh, one question, When we, as we're doing this analysis, um, it's noted that 3rd Avenue there is a private road, so it would be interesting to know who has access to that road and whether... Because I know there's multiple parcels that currently access.
15: Currently there's four parcels of par- access yeah. off of that uh, private drive. Right. Um, the expectation is, as it redevelops, that the access will not be off of 145th. They'll need to take access off of 147
1: regardless of whether something is built whether when not,
15: something's re, when something's redeveloped
1: even that's even if the this parcel is surplus and sold to an adjacent developer correct okay so the okay thank you any other quick... Councilman Moore?
5: just a quick uh, understanding the monies from this goes back to the project so it won't be available for another park or something else right
15: our recommendation, yes, Well, one, we need to look at the limitations of the funding um, to see what we, there is a requirement that if you purchase with transportation dollars, it needs to be put back in for transportation dollars. Uh, so we need to make sure of those limitations.
5: Those transportation dollars be used somewhere other than 145th or only on this
0: project?
15: It can be used somewhere other than 145th. Thank you.
0: Other questions or comments? All right. Thank you, Ms. Junkie, and thank you all for a long night and a long budget process. Enjoy your Thanksgiving break, and we are adjourned.